I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. You're listening to Wiretap with Jonathan Goldstein on CBC Radio 1. Today's episode, recorded live in Vancouver, My Imposter. Thank you. Very nice to be here. So the story is, uh, I don't know how to introduce it really, other than to say that it really, really happened. And uh, I know I don't have the best track record with this kind of thing. Um, my detractors have uh, referred to my show as Liar Tap. <laughs> so I don't know how to prove it to you. Um, but, uh, but, th- but this is true. Facebook had been a fiasco from day one. When setting up my account, I accidentally chose Missouri as my network instead of Montreal. And since I wasn't tech-savvy enough to change it back, I only ended up with five friends. Four people I'd met at a radio conference in the Netherlands two years earlier, and one Missourian evangelical group that didn't seem very selective about their befriending. Twitter was a chance to start fresh, and one of my very first tweets was asking if anyone knew a place in Montreal that delivered tacos after 1 a.m. I waited five minutes, I waited five days, and still, no answer. Friends told me I needed more followers. Write about bacon, they said. Everyone loves bacon, and people follow people who write about it. Others said I had to hone my language. At 140 characters per post, it was like composing a haiku. (laughs) Haikus take a lot of time to write, I said resentfully. They're compressed, perfect little diamonds. And more often than not, they aren't about bacon. (laughs) Rather quickly, I became disillusioned. One Twitter's one's tweets, I repeated to friends. It sounds so childish. Yet dutifully, I twittered my tweets. I was in the middle of promoting my book of short stories that had just been released, and my postings were mainly to announce readings, but it didn't do much good. After posting about an L.A. bookstore signing, I only had two people show up. (laughs) I decided I'd had enough. No more twittering. But then several weeks later, while over at my friend Paul's, he told me that the post I just made that day about toupee hats was really funny. You're mistaken, I said. I haven't Twittered in ages. But when he handed me his laptop, I saw that there I was. Fake Jonathan Goldstein had all the same statistics as me. Same homepage, same bio, same Montreal location. The only thing different from my Twitter profile was that in the picture, the same one I used, I was wearing a crudely drawn beret and dark sunglasses. (laughs) What a mystery. 
As far as I could tell, being impostered only happened to celebrities, and I was no celebrity. Sure, I host a radio show, but I was certainly no P. Diddy, a man, incidentally, who's twittered prolifically during tantric sex. <laughs> yes, mysterious and flattering. The imposter hit the ground running, and he was unafraid to tweet his own horn. Of an upcoming reading I was doing at the Winnipeg Art Gallery, he wrote that I was, quote-unquote, bringing the sexy back. <laughs> Compared to that, my Twitter before the event was downright perfunctory. If you're in town, I twittered, come by. <laughs> but as time wore on, there was some occasional confusion, like when someone asked me where I got off signing breasts in bookstores. That's not me, I answered, it's just my imposter. It was like I'd subdivided into two entities, and that felt like a natural part of my emotional evolution, having another me to blame for everything. But then more of my friends began to confuse us. It would often begin with them telling me how funny my posts were. My posts aren't funny, I'd say. <laughs> sure they are, they'd say. Some of these friends even told me that they'd stop following the fake Goldstein, a fake unfunny Goldstein who only posted book tour information. <laughs> my Twitter twin was outdoing me, posting more often and more funny. And he was getting more and more followers, too. The Ottawa Salvation Army was even following this guy, not me. But then he started Twittering late at night, drunk and cursing everyone, even Twitter itself. The next morning, he'd be repentant. If you know how to delete one's tweets, he wrote, please let me know. You shouldn't Twitter while drinking, Howard told me after reading the drunken tweets. You thought that was me, I asked, and that I would Twitter drunk? Howard and I have been friends since we were kids. I'd figure he'd know I wouldn't even mail a magazine subscription renewal card when drunk. <laughs> I'd have thought he'd know the real me. And yet, here we were. And fake Goldstein was stepping things up. He began saying stuff that didn't represent me at all, inflammatory things. This from one post. David Sedaris is overrated. There, I said it. I mean, the man's good, but come on. Now, those in the humorous community know that words like that, if ever heard by Mr. Sedaris, could destroy a professional wag's career. And so I decided at that point that I had to write him and tell him to back off. His reply? In the words of Chevy Chase, I'm Jonathan Goldstein, and you're not. <laughs> then he told me to stop stalking him. I started to think it could be anyone. Friends, family, co-workers. I figured it had to be someone I knew because fake Goldstein's Twitter page was called jgold2000, a riff I thought on my personal email account name, popmo2000. Anyone who was too witty became suspect. Paranoia set in. Occasionally, we'd battle publicly, me accusing him of being a phony and him responding in kind. And then one day, I received an email from John Hodgman. John, as well as playing the part of the PC in the Mac ads, has also been on my radio show a few times. John wrote that he just recently rediscovered an email in his inbox months after having forgotten about its existence. The subject heading to this email read, 
email in which I request assistance from you in my quest to defeat Jonathan Goldstein in the Twitter battle I have started with him. The rest of the email explains how my imposter wanted John to add him as a Twitter friend and interact with him as though he was the real Goldstein and thus legitimize him. He goes on to explain that his mission has been to offer a more interactive and entertaining Jonathan Goldstein experience to Twitter users, that people deserve better than what I was providing. <laughs> he then ends the letter by signing off, kind regards, Ben Dugas. It was now clear to me. Imposter Goldstein was hungrier, wanted to be Goldstein more than I did. So after getting the email, I stopped being angry and simply became curious. Who was this Ben Dugas and what made him tick? Now that I had his name, I decided to track him down, call him up, and find out. Hello. Is this Ben Dugas? This is. Ben, this is Jonathan Goldstein. Hello, how are you? I'm okay. Are, are you surprised to be hearing from me? Um. Because you sound a little nervous. That's not how I would put it. I, w I feel that this would be a tense encounter. Like heroes and villains coming to meet at the end of a film. And there's some tension on my part because I, I don't really have much leverage in this situation. Like you're being brought into the principal's office? Is that it? A little bit. Like I've been brought out of hiding. Like, like a rat? Sort of. Can I ask you a question? To maybe cut the tension? See, that's exactly what I'm talking about. You're the one asking the question. Oh, is there anything that you'd like to ask me? I guess there are a few things I would like to discuss, but, well, well you can go first. Okay, that's, that's noble. <laughs> it's like a game of chess. It is exactly like a game of chess. Well, I guess my, my first gambit, my first question is, why, why did you do this? Well, there were two reasons. You know, I was just kind of coming around to Twitter and thinking, hey, it might be fun to have some sort of, you know, fake account, if you will. And... At the time, I think you had something in the city of 200 followers. Yeah, because I was going to ask, like, why me and not, you know, George Clooney or something? Right. You know, there, there's a ton of reasons why people start, you know, fake Twitter accounts. But, you know, it's also, you know, oh, look at me, I'm fake Ashton Kutcher, isn't that funny? But to me, the idea of treating a fake account as someone who was not a particularly big Twitter celebrity was kind of unique. Like, most of what made it funny to me was that people would maybe think that it was real. Mm -hmm. So... What I was trying to do was kind of be, you know, the most authentic Jonathan Goldstein on Twitter. More so than the other John, the yes. me, yes. Jonathan Goldstein. But then the, the other thing is that I could kind of compete with you on a level on which I, I could win. You know, let's say you're racing, you know, a 100-meter dash with Donovan Bailey. I mean, y you couldn't possibly win that, right? Mm -hmm. But if you were having a race with him that was one meter... You might not be the favorite, but your odds would be much better. And now in this analogy, how do I compare with Donovan Bailey exactly? Or? So it's, it's like if, if, if I were to try to produce a half-hour wiretap, that would be pretty impossible. But writing 140 characters, that's doable. And, and so my other goal was to eclipse you in terms of Twitter popularity and followers. 
And I think as it stands right now, you're we're, you're pretty close. We're oh, almost I, neck and neck. I actually checked just before this. I have just over 940 followers. You have, I think, 1150. Yeah. And, you know, I had several things working against me. One, obviously, the fact that, you know, I am not you and you are. There's uh, that. But, uh, I'm glad that you see that as being something in my favor. <laughs> um, and so I figured if, with those things in mind, if I could convince people that I was the more authentic Goldstein, that would be perhaps the greatest Twitter upset in history. And, 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 and along with that, I mean, what could be more Goldstein than being eclipsed by his own imposter, exactly. right? Like yeah. to be humiliated in that way. Yeah. That's, that's quintessential Goldstein. Medicalstein. I mean, the thing that I found sort of intriguing was just how you were choosing to be Goldstein rather than having Goldstein inflicted upon you. Like you're enjoying your Goldsteinhood probably more than I enjoy my Goldsteinhood. Yeah, well, I remember when it, when it started, you were on this book tour. And, and so I would find the cities you were in. Mm -hmm. I would find nice upscale restaurants. And then I would post links to, you know, the restaurants and, you know, say what I was eating on the menu. And, you know, looking at these maps of cities kind of made me feel like I was on a book tour. Hmm. So, you know, I get a little taste of what it's like to be the real Goldstein. A little taste is all you need, my friend. <laughs> but I remember, actually, specifically when I was in Toronto uh, for a signing, and the afternoon that I had spent sitting in my hotel room eating a turkey sandwich from Subway and watching cable TV, you had tweeted about how, you know, I was out on Queen Street and eating orzo and fancy pastas like that. Yeah. So Jagel 2000 was actually maybe having not only a more interesting time than me, but a more interesting time than you. Yeah, uh, and of the J Gold 2000, how did you how did you come up with the 2000? Um, just because I think 2000 is something you tack on to your name if you're trying to be cool and maybe like the late 90s. But you know, to use it now, I thought would kind of add to the Jonathan Goldstein you know thing where he tries to pick a cool screen name, but it ends up being you know eight or nine years out of date. Boy, you really. If, you're t if this is true what you're saying, it's uncanny and you really anticipate me well because my email address has a 2000 in the – and I've had it for years now. But you chose it before 2000 thinking that that would be cool and futuristic? Yes. <laughs> yes, I did. Think of your favorite one-hit wonder. Or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have. Or that TV show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon. Now what if we could fix it? I'm Francesca Ramsey. And I'm Delon Grant. And after 20 years of friendship, we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called Let Me Fix It. Each episode, we'll dig into our favorite celebrities, shows, and brands of yesteryear, and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today. Think of our show as an intervention, but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. So the other thing I was going to say is that you know, I don't know if you recall, but we've met face-to-face. -face. No, I had no idea. When was this? You were in Toronto for your book tour. Okay. So I came in and got, you know, my, my book signed. And what I did is <laughs> gave you this piece of paper, and then I taped a, a chocolate to it, just because I thought that would kind of throw you off. I remember that. Now let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. Knowing Goldstein as you do, 
What do you think was done with that piece of chocolate? Oh, I'm guessing you didn't eat it. No, I didn't. Yeah, you would have been frightened of Candy Stranger. Were you so certain, in fact, that there was no way that I would eat that piece of chocolate that you just went ahead and poisoned it? No. In I your didn't. certainty? No. Okay. So, what do, what are you going to do now? Now that you've been discovered, are you going to keep doing it, or is are you going to hang it up? Like what what next? Well, I think I'm going to have to kill him off. How, how do you mean? I, I, I well, at first I was thinking I would just kind of discontinue it. Mm-hmm. But then I was thinking, well, maybe I should actually tweet about you know dying. Yeah. I was going to suggest if you had any requests in terms of how you want to go out. Oh, what what are some of the options? You could be poisoned by chocolate. Okay, can I can I offer uh, an alternative to killing me off? Mm-hmm. I could leave you the mantle of Goldstein to Don, and I could just sort of gracefully retreat into the shadows. Do you mean that I would get to take charge of the Jay Goldstein Twitter, you know, account? I would turn the accounts over to you. But let me say this: mm-hmm. if we are to do this. There's no tradebacks. Like, you're going to be Jonathan Goldstein. You mean on Twitter or in real life? Well, you know, we'll, we'll start with Twitter. But, I mean, you could find yourself having to, you know, visit my parents, Ooh. the family visits, the colonoscopies, which, by the way, are monthly, because that's how I rule. I've never had one of those. Well, you'll be having them. I... I mean, I could think that over, but... Initially, my response wouldn't be a definite yes. Oh, it wouldn't? I mean, it's not an outright no. But uh, I, I think that that would be a difficult decision for uh, a man at my point in life to make. All right. Well, don't say I didn't offer you uh, legitimacy. Well, do, do I, if I want to do that, do I have to say yes now? Well, I had to say yes now. When you were born? That when I was born, I said I said yes. I continue to say yes. Hmm. I say yes every day. That's, that's very brave of you. Well, you know what? You be the best Ben Dugas you can be, and I'll try to be the best Jonathan Goldstein that I could be. That sounds like a plan. Okay, well take care, Ben Dugas. Okay, likewise. Bye bye. Um, the postscript to that is that I think he really wanted to go out in a blaze of glory because in recent weeks he created a fake Howard Chakowitz account and a fake Gregor Ehrlich account and when it was brought to my attention the fake Gregor account someone said how do you know that it's a fake one because I hadn't even spoken to Gregor yet and I said well this Gregor Ehrlich is referencing something that I actually said on the show, and I know for a fact that Gregor never listens to the show. I send him CDs and he fast forwards them just to his own parts. So I knew that it was, I knew that it was a phony. So yeah, uh, thank you so much. And um, Hannah Georges, take us out.
Wiretap today, you heard Ben Dugas and a musical performance by Hannah Georges with Robbie Driscoll and Laura Smith. Today's Wiretap was recorded in Vancouver's Studio 40. Special thanks to recording engineer Gary Morgan and to Bruce Dierick, Denton Booth, and Ann Penman. Wiretap is produced by Jonathan Goldstein with Mira Birdwintonic and Crystal Duhame. <laughs> It's like you said, this is way too tough We've got no way to make it out there all alone Out there on our own When times get tough, you got my back Don't know what I'd do without you, I'd be all alone
Thank you so much. For more CBC podcasts, go to cbc.ca/podcasts.